Yes or no, this is your last chance. No beating around the bush. Perhaps I was talking when I should have been listening. This is the Redefine Relentless Podcast. Welcome back to Redefine Relentless. It is episode 94, and we're going to be talking about a book I recently finished, Your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bet David with Greg Dinkin. And the Your Next Five Moves is really just mastering the art of business strategy. That's the subtitle to the book. Now, my thoughts on this book are that it's simply just amazing. Patrick does a really good job of, he, he reads a bunch of other books and he kind of throws it back in and does some quotations, but it overall makes a really good book because it's almost like you're reading 10 to 15 books from all this different knowledge. Now he doesn't go based off fully on these books. He has his, he, it's kind of like just little inserts that he puts from other books into his book, which is overall his main thoughts and ideas, which I think is really good because what this book is really achieving is not only his thoughts, but thoughts of other successful entrepreneurs and uh, authors of different books inciting them. And it makes a lot of sense and it makes an overall really powerful book. Now, before we j- jump into the summary, I just want to let you know I'll be off for about a month. I'm going to be focusing on simpler living. And then there's so many episodes. There are 93 other episodes, right? There's like um, success number 67, success of an entrepreneur featuring Jennifer Wise. She's the CEO of Be Free, a huge gluten-free company. It's just getting put in Sam's Club, Costco. It's been in like Kroger, Walmart. It's been in other distribution places all over. It is an amazing, amazing story. Go listen to that. And there's so many other ones. Jeffrey Mearns, if you're a Ball State fan, that's episode 29, Excelling in Life, We Fly, featuring Jeffrey Mearns. That's a really good, there's so many. Trust me, go look and you'll you'll see yourself. So without further ado, let's jump into this. So my thoughts is that before going over this book, well, it's just the overall of the book, is that it's a lot of the times it's sometimes it's the simple things that we you know we put off and we don't do in which that we really need to do and that's a lot of what i think this book is sometimes we dig so far into the weeds we forget the simple stuff or the main objective of certain things so we have to take a step back and analyze things personally and career wise to really let the simple things speak volumes and then go into detail into doing that so let's talk about the five moves. We're going to be doing a a really quick summary, probably within two to three minutes. And then I'm going to dive deep into it, giving a more in-depth. Now, I I truly believe you got to stay for the in-depth conversation because it's just hitting the surface. You want to dig deep and gain this knowledge. That is my takeaways and from reading this book, my annotations. And I think this is going to be huge for you. So let's, let's jump into the first five moves. So the first move is mastering knowing yourself. The second move is master the ability to reason. Number three, this, the third move is to master building the right team. The fourth move is master strategy to scale. And the fifth move being master power place. Okay. Let's jump back into just a little bit very quickly with number one, move number one, master knowing yourself. It's about self-awareness. You gain the power of choice and control over your actions. You gain the power of choice and control over your actions. That's what really self-awareness is. One of the huge important things from mastering knowing yourself, which is move one, you have to know who you want to be and you will know the direction as well as why it matters that you need to go. So the first part is knowing who you are and the direction you want to go and how can you be that person that and which at the end of the road to get there, right? That's a huge part of that uh, move number one. Now move two is master the ability to reason. I'm just, it's really quick. No decision is black and white. It's very complex. There's a bunch of variables and we're going to be talking about and breaking more of that down. The move three is master building the right team 
team, which is simply is going to really help your company grow exponentially if you do it right. And then the second reasoning to the master building the right team is ask questions that will uncover their deepest desires in the sense of you want to really truly understand your employees or the people that work under you that you're managing or whatever it is. Even if you're not, I think this is a very important chapter to really, because they're just, it's so simple. People just do the bare minimum like managers and stuff like that, but you can really understand your employees by doing stuff that we're about to talk about in move three when we get to that. Now move four is master strategy to scale. How to gain, maintain momentum and maintain momentum, as well as how to create systems that allow you to track and measure key performing indicators. That is huge. Move number five is master power place. We're going to be talking about how to beat Goliath, so the big player, and then two, control narrative to lever in leveraging social media to really branding yourself, and then three, becoming a mobster, which maybe sounds crazy, but we're going to get in. We're going to get into it and make that make sense in a second. Just a quick second away from the podcast episode. If you could share with friends and family, that would mean so much to me. As I don't monetize or have advertisements in my podcast, I don't make any money off of it. I just want to help others. So if you could help me doing that, that'd be so much help. As well as turn bell notifications on so you know. When the latest episode releases and don't forget to leave a review below it helps a lot with that being said enjoy the rest of the podcast episode okay so let's dive deep into move one which is mastering knowing yourself so you got to make your pain your fuel that's huge i've said it so many other times and even my previous podcast episode number 93 really to feel that setting that tone you want to the pain to feel your fire because that makes you go a lot further your haters and your doubters should really just drive you into that fuel right embody who you want to be and live your future truth now what's your future truth now this is one of the biggest takeaways this is a huge golden nugget to you all the future truth is to live in the present as if it was your future self that has already become reality. So who you see in 10, 20 years, how would you act and act like that now to make that a reality? And it's gonna, and that was just like a, a different, it's just a different mindset to have. Why act like that person in 20 years when you can act like that person today? That's really good with that future truth. And you may not know, do you, do you know who you wanna be? Do you have a clear vision? These are questions you should be asking yourself and executing upon them. So Think about your heroes, whoever it is, and ask yourself, how would they act in certain situations? Whoever your Elon Musk, whatever, you know a lot about them. And whenever you're in a tough situation, ask what they would do. And I think that would give you, that, that's just a whole different mindset that I never thought about. That's going to give you so much wisdom, like through the books I've read and stuff like that. Like my favorite authors, like why, what, what would Thomas Stanley think in this very moment? What would Dave Ramsey think about this? You know, those different types of thinking, what would Alex Hermazi think about this? Those different thoughts of like authors and stuff, it, it's a different mindset that it really is going to help me a lot. And I hope it will help you think about your heroes again, and then think how they would do certain situations that have happened in your life, your problems or whatever it may be. You got to be a visionary. That's a huge takeaway in the move one in mastering yourself is become a visionary. And that's in think and grow rich. That's in other, this has duplicated so much. You have to understand becoming a visionary is going to help you exponentially. You really have to become a visionary and not be like, Oh, Lamborghini, stuff like that. Visionary in the sense of like career growth and that type of vision, not, not the grand salon stuff that doesn't matter the materialistic things, the things that are going to help you grow and increase in value in of yourself. 
So the most important thing to study is you. That That is a huge thing. That's just the huge thing takeaway from mastering step one in the book. Everyone is taken, and this was in Robert Greene's book, and it, it was he talked about being weird, and I kind of liked it, honestly, because everyone's normal. Everyone says, like, if you are different from the crowd, you get pointed out, you get laughed at, but that's the good thing and how you're remembered. I want to be remembered. You know, I want to leave a legacy for, you know, the people that are listening to this podcast episode, building the company I want to build. Like, I'm impact-driven. So that's really what I'm trying to accomplish. And in order to do that, I have to be weird. And that's how you get remembered. Not, you know, not acting like you're not yourself, right? But you have to stand out to a crowd because everyone's so normal and everyone in a normal group is so scared to stand out. Once you do stand out, people laugh at you and do certain stuff. But the people that are laughing at you, they don't get remembered and they're just a part of dust in the wind. It's like, you got to be weird. And that wasn't in the book, but I think this was a good insert to put that I recently passed from Robert Greene's book, Daily Laws, which I think is really good. So eliminate self-judgment, which will really empower you to do bold moves in which I was talking about. You have to be weird and like take those bold moves in a normal crowd. And again, you're going to get laughed at. There's some dumb stuff I've said, but I took that risk. And then some people be like, well, the loudest person falls the hardest in the room. Yes, I do agree with that. But in a sense of opening your mouth when you think you know what you would, you're talking about. And sometimes it can be egocentric. You know, people are going to always have their different thoughts. But again, would you rather be weird, you know, outspoken? Or would you, some people hating on you? Or would you rather be someone that's just normal and no one knows, right? Really think about that. So making those bold moves, but reflect and improve. Minimize overthinking and increase execution, but you have to reflect in order to improve. That's improve. That's a huge thing. Know what drives you. That was a huge t- topic in move one, which was really is the advancement individuality, wow, that's a tongue twister, madness and purpose. So advancement is like your promotion, your deadlines, how you're advancing in life. Does that drive you? Does individuality drive you, which is like the lifestyle recognition security? Does the madness drive you? Is it like the competition, proving others wrong, etc. that type of madness? And then for purpose, which is helping others change impact and multiple things can drive you. Why I bring this up to know what drives you, I think is super important. So you can really capitalize on what drives you in order to get more done and execute on more. Again, going back to the main thought that I had, it's the simple things that we forget and we're so far into the weeds that we really have to zoom out and understand certain things and remember what drives us because even I forget about that. I mean, I I can tell you right now what drives me is making content for my podcast. That's a huge, huge thing that drives me. And with Simpler Living, what drives me, I'm giving you examples so you can fill in the blanks with yourself. Simpler Living, what drives me is just making an impact on sustainability one and making people more happy with vacation giving them the recharge battery. It's going to be a very fun industry to get get in. And that's what's going to drive my passion and that impact, which is really that purpose. And you can have multiple things that drive you. Again, it's advancement, individuality. Wow, that's really a tongue twister. Individuality. And then there's madness and purpose, those four things. So graduate from your next why. A lot of people stay on their why and forget that there's other whys that you can graduate from. Like in your five to 10 years, you might have a certain why, but you might graduate from it. I like that Patrick bought this up. Now there's four levels of like kind of survival. And I know it's, it's something different though. It's not necessarily what we learn about in marketing and stuff, but I think it's very interesting because it really made me zoom out and think about what other people at, you know, different jobs and how they think. Level one is survival, paying the bills, just meeting ends meet. Level two is status. You want to talk about what you, this or that, or what you have to impress people, which is like your money, which is basically your car, house, et cetera, or your, the prestigious school you went to. And that's going to be your status on level two. Number three is freedom, escaping the nine to five, having financial freedom. You really don't have to work as much. You just make enough money. And this can eventually make you feel a little bit empty. As we talked about in podcast episode 92, 
the four-hour work week with Tim Ferriss. And in another uh, level, the final level is level four with that purpose. How do you want to be remembered? Again, growing on your weirdness. And then two, how do you want to make an impact on other people's lives? And three, it's about realizing why you were put on this earth and pushing the limits to have the greatest version of yourself. That speaks volumes. I love that. But there's the four levels of that. And I think that's very interesting. Like, again, to have gratitude, as I've talked about much throughout the podcast episodes, to have gratitude, because a lot of people are stuck on level one, just making ends meet level one. And some people aren't even there. There's homeless people. And sadly, you know, veterans and really messed up things have happened in their life. Like it's very tough to, again, zoom out and realize how blessed you are. I think that's a huge thing that you have to realize in life in order to, that really pumps me and motivates me to keep on going because like I'm blessed to be where I'm at being in the United States, being able to go to college and take out loans so I can afford college, all that different stuff. You have to have gratitude for that. No matter at what level you are, there's always someone that's worse than you. I promise you that you're not number one because number one, like worst person that has is the worst in America because I guarantee you they can't even they don't have access to the internet they don't have access to this podcast so they can't even listen to it so have perspective in that gratitude so truth nobody really gets caught up in distractions like this Netflix social media or video games they choose them to escape reality and avoid the difficulty of working on self-inquiry wow just on self. Really, you try to escape this, right? And I don't, I think it's taking it head on that's really going to help you and to gain more value. And again, I get it if you're in certain circumstances, you can make excuses, but at the end of the day, we're always trying to grow. This is a growth mindset podcast, right? We're always, we're not fixed mindset. We're, we're growth. So that's what I'm really focusing on. But if you are comfortable where you are, no one else should bother you in the world, right? You do you. So be clear on your purpose. Here's side knowledge that I found in the book. Too many people judge the entrepreneur by who they are now instead of who they were before. Again, thinking to that, focusing on your future self, what you want to become and be that person today and to get there a lot quicker. Rather than judging an entrepreneur by the final product, which a lot of us do, even I do, look at the product and development. I think that's very hard to see. Another episode that I had, number 80, Elon Musk's story, I think that was really good to understand the development of him. And I think that's why that's, that that book is really, really, really good. And I think a lot of people should read it to get into the weeds of it. I have two episodes out on, on Elon Musk and number 80 is the, the most recent one, which I think is the best to really listen about the development of how he became who he became instead of looking at the final product of Elon Musk today. Not the final, obviously he's always getting better. So let's move on to move to master the ability to reason. Now this is a huge part uh, being in an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, it doesn't really matter. I really think you have to hone in and master the ability to reason. And that's the hardest thing. I talked about it on Crucial Conversations. This is kind of repeating, but again, it's important to realize the things that repeat, again, by a lot of major authors that are very popular and successful, you should really have your ears up and listening to them because it's like multiple authors repeat the same thing, but it's for a reason because all these different things work. And it's, it's to really grain those in your mind in that that growth mindset in which you're going to grow a lot more so before you say anything in any conversation process what is happening i think even i have problems with that and i currently i still do it's i'm not perfect by any means it's very hard when you're heated when you have that fuse that's burnt down and you're just super pissed by by something else you know something happened you got hit someone hit you today a good thing to think about is that i came across that wasn't really necessarily in the book is think about your bank account if someone steals a quarter or 50 cents from you are you really going to let that affect your whole bank account and be like, well, I guess I don't want my bank account anymore. Think about that in the terms of 
life. Someone for 30 seconds ruins your day or, you know, maybe it's 30 minutes or an hour if you get in a car wreck or something, whatever it may be, don't let that one thing ruin it. And again, I, trust me, I know by volumes, it is very hard once you're in that moment. But it's again, stepping back and analyzing that situation and process what's happening before jumping into it with the heated mind. I still have problems with this and I'm always trying to improve, but I think that's a huge takeaway. And I try to remind myself in every situation when I have something that pisses me off, you know, whether it be at personally or career-wise, whatever it may be. Something I learned from panic attacks that I had a lot of the time was a lot of it was due to inaction or just not taking action. I was scared and I learned that it's okay to be scared, but I had to give it my best. And this is me personally, and I'm mixing it into this book. I'll never forget when I called my mom, it was junior year was starting and I had a panic attack. I swear to you, I'm not even lying. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was having a heart attack and I called my mom and I remember just being, that was an eye opener, that whole memory of that happening to me. I just remember having a panic attack. I had so much on my mind. I was just scared. I had the entrepreneurship major, which is a, was a pass or fail major, super stressful getting into that my junior year. Like I, I was on executive board historian. I just had so many things running through my head and I, I, I just had a panic attack. I freaked out in my heart. I couldn't go to bed. It was like 3am and I thought I was going to be okay. It was like one. And then I just sat in bed and laid and I thought I could go to sleep. I literally thought I was going to die. And that was an eye opener to me, but I realized that it was to the point that I wasn't realizing what I can and can't control. And there's so much time we have in a limited part of the day. And I think that's very hard in panic attacks. Again, this is the mastering the ability to reason. And I think panic attacks is something I really want to talk about when capitalizing on this chapter, because it's something that sticks still to me today. I still have panic attacks. I try, I've, I've minimized them so much though. I don't have them like every other day, like I was used to and just freaking out. So I think that's really good. It's, it's again, jumping back and realizing what you can and can't control and execute on the things you can control. Now, the power of now is a lot more important too. It's being in the moment and enjoying the journey, which again, is hard when you're in the weeds and you have this stress to really jump back and realize what's happening. I'm really trying to jump on you for this. Jump back and analyze those situations before you open your mouth. Before, like, If you're having a panic attack, take those deep breaths, five seconds in, five seconds out, look up certain stuff, look it up for yourself. There's so many different things you can do. Meditate, read fiction, and that's really going to help you fall asleep if you're ever having a panic attack at night. The most important thing or trait to process effectively is taking responsibility. I'm not going to go super in depth with this because I have a podcast episode number 73, Extreme Ownership. You should definitely listen to that. That's one of my most, I think it's my third most listened to episode. Huge. I think it was an amazing summary. I spent a lot of time summarizing that book, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, which is a Navy SEAL veteran. Use I and remove they, you, and it. That's going to be so huge for you. And again, I'm going to leave those episodes that I, I always, when I refer an episode, I'll leave it down below so you can click it and go to that episode if you want to listen to it. Again, that was 73 Extreme Ownership that we talked a lot about that. Processing steps to take when someone ticks you off. Now, this is huge. You got to listen up for this one. One, take responsibility for the role and what happened. And you can, the hardest thing is to jump back. And even when it's like really not your fault to jump back and see how could I have done better? How could I have done this situation? How my responsibility? And again, we're always going to have excuses why it wasn't us, but you're on that team, whether it been you hired that person, you have to have extreme ownership. And it's so hard, especially when someone takes you off, T jump back again, take responsibility for the role of what you did and really understand it, really analyze that situation and how in just every detail, not paralysis analysis by any means, but jump into it and really realize what you could have done better Two, state specifically what you did to create the problem. Three, channel your frustration into getting better and preventing 
future problems. A huge takeaway. This is a huge golden nugget. You have to listen up. ITR, this abbreviation, never heard of it before. I, I'm relatively familiar. It's kind of similar to some of the other return on investment and certain things like that. ITR is huge in your personal life though. It's investment time return. Investment, how much will it cost or save us? Huge. Time, T, how much time will it take us or save us? And then there's the R, which is return. Calculate the return on money and tie involved in the decision. So an example of this, you could ask yourself, is it worth spending twice the money to get this project done in half the time? That's just an example. You can do that in personal life, whatever it is. Think about that ITR, investment time return. That's huge. Solve for X, that was a huge part in mastering the ability to reason. Now I'm gonna leave that resource down below, solving for X sheet. It's a huge resource. I'm referring you to Patrick Bet David because he has a lot of good resources on his website. So go look at that, it's on his website. Solve for X sheet, the resource below. I'm not gonna jump too much into that so we can save some time. And then situation should be looked at, as I was saying, what can I control and what can't I control? It is good to know what you can't control so you can counter with what you can control. Don't focus too hard on what you can't control with that paralysis analysis. That is one of the biggest takeaways and golden nuggets out of the book. I know I say golden nuggets a lot, but this is like a huge mine of a golden nugget. I think in everyday situations, especially in mastering the ability to reason. I'm going to re-say it because it was so good. It is good to know what you can't control so you can counter with the things you can control. Don't focus too much on what you can't control. I think it's important to know what you can't control so you can kind of counter it. Don't have paralysis analysis by any means. Focus on and execute on what you can control. There's nothing you can do about what you can't control. Find your deepest why. Keep on asking why until you get to a point where you can't ask it no more. I think, in, in, and that's a huge thing in solving for X on the worksheet. There's a why, 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 why. Why is this problem happening? Well, it's because of this. Okay, why is that happening? Blah, 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 blah. Gets to the root of the problem instead of you looking at the leaves of the tree, you're looking at the roots of the tree. So identify bottlenecks and reduce them. Bottlenecks are basically like think of a bottle and then the bottleneck. And that's like think about all your production or whatever, and you have this bottleneck. Why isn't it? Why isn't this bottle open? Why can't I keep on this flow going? What's the bottleneck? Oh, it turns out only one person can do this job. Okay, let's find other people to do this job so we can widen that bottleneck, right? And reduce them. And that's always improving with your ability to reason. You need to understand numbers. That was a huge part of the book. We're going to get more into data with the move forward with that growth and the strategy of growing, but you really have to know data. And especially if you're owning a business, it's going to be huge for you. This is very important. Even if you're an employee, move number three is mastering building the right team. Now, this was a huge thing for me especially with what I'm trying to build with at Simpler Living. The chapter opens up with a quote that I really much so like, no matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you'll always lose out to a team. That's by Reid Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn. Wow. The best question that you should ask, especially when looking and building the right team, why should someone work for you? Think about three questions. One, what benefits are you currently offering to others? Two, in what way do people improve by associating with you? Number three, how many lives have you changed positively in the last year? Don't look for yes people. Look for people that will challenge you. And that's what I said in building my team for this pitch competition and or fellowship. I'm like, listen, I don't want yes people. I want people that are gonna be like, yo, this is pretty bad. Let's work on it. Not necessarily like it's terrible or whatever. You don't wanna let those negative, but it, it's it's people that are like, okay, this is what we have, but how can we improve it? I love those people and you should too as well. Especially, oh, it's like, oh, it's more work, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, you're not passionate about what you're doing or whatever. And I get it, there's tasks that you can't do. Inevitably, you can't have a task at any dream job that you're gonna enjoy every single day but it's 
on bigger picture, realizing that you have to grow with this growth mindset. You don't want yes people around you because you're just going to plateau. It's going to be the same old, same old people. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. They're plateauing you. Like there's so many different things that you have to open your eyes to in order to achieve higher heights. And that starts with not having yes people around you, but people that are always going to challenge you. Again, not being negative, like, but they're going to, that criticism, that really good criticism that's going to help you in that feedback. A huge lesson that you have to absorb is that you have to do your due diligence no matter how trustworthy people seem because people are, there's snakes in the in the weeds and in the grass. And it's hard to see them sometimes. You start by giving a little bit more trust and more trust and more trust. And eventually you give them a lot more trust from what you know I've learned in this book is talked about I'm building a team so I'm learning from that I'm not really that's not really a strength of mine so I'm figuring that out a lot but I think this book is just helping me so much a huge bonus to building your team is understanding what are your weaknesses and how can I love leather how can I leverage other strengths to fill my weaknesses also leverage others perspectives what perspectives do I not have that someone else can help me with? And sometimes it, it's opening your eyes and realizing that you're like, well, I don't need all perspectives. Yes, you uh, try to get as many perspectives as you can so you can tackle it. That's what Abraham Lincoln did. This is outside of the book, by the way. Abraham Lincoln did. He had a very tough cabinet and they were all diverse in mind and thinking because they ended up coming out with the best ideas out of office. And it makes Abraham Lincoln remembered in the current time in the future. Look at all the presidents that have been forgotten about, right? Abraham Lincoln Lincoln did a lot of things and it started with building that right team, which is having diverse mindset that can allow you to leverage and come out with the best outcome, not having yes people. Huge takeaway. Ears up because this is going to be a very important part. Do you want to attract the best, the hardest working people to your company? The answer should always be yes. Give them a piece of it. That is such a huge takeaway. And a lot of people actually do that, especially with stocks like Apple does it, Microsoft does it, like bigger job roles. That's why like when CEOs go on companies that are like outside and that the CEO steps down and someone steps in, they give them equity because they're going to be thinking of the best ways and best things to go about and the best incentives to that company. Once you give that incentive to having a pie of it, because then, I mean, it's just logically, it makes sense to do that. You got to grant equity to your team and it's just more, it's more than an art than it is a science really. You have to give what your idea is again, huge takeaway is shifting an employee mentality to an ownership mentality. And that's really going to help achieve it when you give people a, a piece of the pie of your company, especially in equity, whether it be stock or whatever it is. So what you need to recognize in order to retain talent. And again, this is very important for you to listen all the way through. I know you can be like, well, this is for entrepreneurs building team. No, eventually, whenever you manage and stuff like that, this is going to be very important to you. What you must recognize to retain a talent, uh, talent again, compensate properly for their efforts. Let them participate in the success of the company. You have to have an impact. You have to recognize them in front of others, their peers, because that's huge. You have to give them opportunity to grow within the company because I see it so much in a lot of companies. They'll say they have growth and I've seen it so many times, but they really don't have growth and then you end up sitting there forever. And then some people are like, well, they don't work hard enough and stuff like that. And it's like, we're well, not giving an opportunity to grow. How would you expect them to do more because there's they've they've hit the ceiling. They can't grow anymore because you've, and, and they've waited so long. Like, and that's why I think a lot of people have to have extreme ownership, especially in growth in their company in just really blows me away with how there's a lot of people that are talented, but they just haven't been given the opportunity. Maybe they think they have, and I'm sure there's always an excuse or something to do, right? So then also judge on clear sets of expectations and give them to them because you can't move the goalpost constantly and changing it because 
th that's something I've learned. Again, I'm not an expert in this field. So this is coming from Patrick Bet David, which is a very successful entrepreneur, and he has the number one podcast for entrepreneurship. So it's very much, and he has a very successful consulting firm and a bunch of businesses. I, this is very credible information. They got to be judged on a clear set of expectations that are given to them, clear expectations, and don't move the goalpost all the time because I've seen that before. Um, goalpost moving is not... <laughs> It's not cool because it can make it very confusing and you want to make it as simple as possible as Extreme Ownership talked about. Another podcast episode. A huge takeaway from this is hire slowly and fire quickly. Remove the weeds, they infect the crop. Fire quickly, again, hire slowly. Hire slowly, fire quickly. So you got to build principles and follow them. What Patrick talked about, what your team stands for, what your team doesn't tolerate, the core values, the mission statement. And the way Patrick sees it is that unless the people are mocking you, you've not repeated your message enough. And my two cents to this is so many core values and mission statements, et cetera, of like whatever they're, they're doing a company, but really the company doesn't follow them and or it, it, like at least the employees don't so it means that they aren't talked about enough or the employee doesn't believe in the values or whatever and they should be restructured as a team instead of just themselves that was that was a blown away. Yeah. Think about all the times you've seen core values and like the, the mission statements. And again, there are, there's definitely, I'm not saying they're pointless by any means, but from my perspective and what I've seen in jobs, like I just don't see it in front through what I've had through a, a bunch of my different experiences and employment I, I, at the end of the day, it's just really, people don't abide by their core values or they don't repeat them enough for the employees to be like, blah, 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 blah. I know exactly what it is. So everyone to be on the same page is really important. So remember to do what you say or your word loses value. Super important. A huge takeaway, golden nugget, have radical transparency. And I was kind of blown away by this. I think it, it speaks volumes to your employees when you you're radically transparent with them. They believe in you. And no one said being radical transparent is is easy. No one ever said being direct is really comfortable either. There's easy choices and there's going to be effective choices. Don't put band-aids on it if you don't have to. Fix the problem long-term. That was a huge, another takeaway with Band-Aids. A lot of people have Band-Aid fixes and you have to leverage with opportunity costs so I can understand that like Band-Aid fixes and it's not as big as you think and you have to go on. Completely understand that, but a lot of people just put Band-Aid fixes on it so they can do other things that maybe aren't as important. So definitely think about that with the Band-Aid and think of long-term fixes so you don't have to keep on coming back. So huge takeaway from this part is that smart compensation plans and incentive trips only go so far, but they are really helpful. When you touch people's hearts, they will move mountains for you. And you touch their hearts, you have to take time to understand them and know their deepest beliefs and desires. You have to ask them deep questions in order to understand this person. You really have to dig in order to get that person and understand it. Learn each individual through the love languages by taking love language quizzes. Now, I, I know that's going to be hard. And some people are like, what the hell? Love language? This is, you have to be different in order to be different from the rest, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. Again, stepping back and realizing wide scope because it's so easy to get into the weeds and forget a lot of the hierarching bigger things in a company really understanding their love languages. And again, I thought this was kind of ridiculous, but as I read more into it, I was like, you know what? That actually does make a lot of sense. You need to stop asking what motivates people and instead ask what motivates that person because people are different from a single individual. A lot of people look at it from a group incentive wise when you don't look at it from a person incentive wise. And there's always going to be excuses, but that is the, wow, that's going to be super effective. So questions to ask to each individual to really understand what makes them tip. 
tick is like number one, what makes them tick? Two, how does this person want to be loved? Three, what makes this person feel appreciated? Four, what's the most effective way to show that I care? Five, what action will be best landed on for this person? So like in any situation, how will this land? Hey, I got to be quiet. I got to pull them to the side or I got to do it in front of people. Whatever it may be, understand what what's the best way to talk to this person. And you have to study that yourself. So let's go really quick through the nine level love languages of an entrepreneur. Number one, we need you. Number two, recognition. Three, praise. So that's going to be private, public, and behind their back is really good praise as well. If you're thinking about it, like Jimmy or Susie, they've been doing an amazing job. You tell the manager this, and the manager tells Jimmy or Susie, and they're like, wait, what? Boss man thought that of me? Uh, especially when you're higher up in management, or if you're on the team with someone and kind of telling it behind their back and telling it to someone, it, there's data that shows that that's way more effective than just like telling them personally because they're like, whoa, wait, they told you in private that I'm a good person? What? You know what I mean? Like, we all have that feeling. That's, I, I'm sure that's happened to you. And if not, it's an amazing feeling. And you should definitely do that to people more often and kind of like talk behind their back positively. That's huge. Number four, clear direction. Five, vision. Six, dreams. Again, this is love languages for an entrepreneur. And then seven, involvement. Eight, challenge. And nine, listening. It's crazy. How to win influence. People talks about it too. Again, repeating. People just like to be listened to. And there's a, in remembering their name and being really understanding them. How to win and influence people was a huge huge thing that was in that actually Patrick talked about how to win and influence people. And a lot of this, this chapter, well, this, this move building the right team was built off of how to win influence people, not a major part, but it was like quotation thrown out throughout it. Understand their love language and what makes them tick and show them that you really care. That's going to be huge. Okay. Move four. Let's keep on moving master strategy to scale. This is a good quote. You have to listen up by Alexander the great. I am not afraid of an army of lions led by sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by lions. Again, that like leader, that hungry mentality. So there's two ways for a business to grow. There's linear and there's exponential. Now, I really want this to break down in your mind. So what we're going to do is with this linear and exponential talking about it, let's put the linear in a box to the left of your mind, and then let's put exponential to a box to the right. Now, let's jump into the box of the linear. So how do we become a linear business growth? So you have to have the next innovative campaign. So launching a program or a promotion that's going to potentially change the game of whatever you're doing. So study innovative campaigns. This is something different that I haven't seen in other books that I think is really good. Stud of studying the hell out of innovative campaigns. Let's think about it. Amazon Prime. Mishibishi paid for customers gas their first year when they bought a car, which is from them, which is huge. Those types of innovative campaigns can really boost things. So really thinking and digging deep into the next innovative campaign can really help with linear growth. And what I'm doing right now is Simpler Living. A huge, another resource, and imagine this, another podcast episode that I have out. It's going to be huge to making the next innovative campaign is hundred million, hundred million dollar offers by Alex Ramosi, which is episode 987. Again, that's going to be a link down below. So you can click it if you're interested. Number two in that linear box is leadership development. You have to have the ability to help other people to develop and become effective leaders. This has to be a huge priority because you, for when you're not there, you have to let the leaders that you've taught grow this business. And that, and that's going to be huge leadership development. Okay. Now, now that we've talked about linear, let's move over to this exponential box. Again, this is move for mass 
mastering strategy to scale. So in this exponential box, we have operating systems and we have business development, the relationships and sales. So let's talk about operation systems real quick, operating systems. Business fail for two reasons. They either grow too fast or they don't grow at all. So we got, we're going to talk about operating systems here in a second, some more. And number two was business development, relationships and sales. So you got to learn how to close deals and keep those counts continuously growing and really understand that relationships go so much further. That's why people that hit people up, um, like in the terms of sales, like constantly, they end up winning that person over. Maintain your integrity is always a winning strategy. That was a side note that I had from the book that is really good. Maintaining your integrity, which is when no one else is looking, is always a winning strategy. Transparency, as we talked about at Radical Transparency, transparency is the ultimate performance enhancing drug. So let's look at data in two different ways. There are what's called a, a leak and there's what's called a trend. So leaks are when like alert to inefficiencies and how you can fix them really going through your operation systems and like studying them and understand how can this be more lean? How can we cut the fat? How can we make it more efficient and constantly be doing that until it doesn't make any more sense or you're started getting to a liability because it's, it's too much of mitigating the task or processes. And then there's trends, which is just general direction. We're data's headed. So you have to dig into the numbers and tweak things. That's super important, I think, in, in mastering strategy to scale. Again, we're trying to scale, so we've got to look into data, right, in order to scale this thing, because that's going to be huge. So we dig into the numbers and tweak them and see what happens and see what works well and what doesn't. You don't have to reinvent the wheel and go back. If something works, then keep on capitalizing on it. But remember that you're going to have to adapt. Not everything, not every campaign that everyone does, especially in the 80s, 90s, like, look, it's completely different now. You have to be able to adapt to certain innovative campaigns, your company, whatever it may be. Keep your eyes open. Open. Don't keep your guard down. So do not accept blind acceptance. This is huge, especially in the terms of data. What is blind acceptance? It's when you do something for no good reason or it's not backed up by data for what you're doing. You have to have good reasons. Don't take blind acceptance given the circumstance. I always, in every episode, I try to look at every single nook and crack that can possibly counter what is being said. Uh, and I think that this is huge. Don't ever do blind acceptance. That's just looking at it. It's just the spaghetti noodle challenge. There's certain situations in which you'll do that, but you shouldn't do it a lot. Uh, blind acceptance should, that should not be a thing that you do all the time. You have to back up data and reason and have good reasons for what you do. Numbers don't lie. Make sure you analyze and use opportunity cost. So don't get analysis paralysis or um, paralysis by analysis and, and leverage opportunity cost outweighing which one's going to work better between those two decisions. So example, my podcast, I learned that having the people that hit me up to be on my podcast episode are always not only trying to promote something that's deep into podcast industry. When I learned doing book summaries from the data, analyzing it, that you guys like a lot of the, the, the book summaries. A lot of people listen to them. Those are my most listened to episodes, actually. Minus Julia Christ's episode, which is another banger of an episode in the life of an influencer. Julia Christ has like 425,000 subscribers on YouTube. And we talk about her journey and, and, and that was episode number 12, another really good episode that I'll leave down below. Data shows, right? Um, so I learned that book is really my niche and of what people like, like listening to it after analyzing the data. So find your KPIs, which are your key performing indicators. Those are the measures in your industries, figure them out, study them. And then for me, it's like leads, retention and reviews on simpler living, like my tiny home vacation rentals. I'm always trying to, those leads, like getting people to fill the occupancy rate, the retention, am I having repetitive? customers come back in my reviews. Are people having a good time? How can I get that feedback and make it even better? A really good reason to implement, again, 
KPIs are so important. That's such a golden nugget in business. You have to know that what drives that and be understand to capitalize on the and how to make those better. So a reason to implement systems is what is measured can be scaled and improved. What gets measured gets improved huge takeaway. You have to measure things. And I've been doing that a lot in my data analytics, like the job that I've been doing. You don't want to have analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis. I mean, but you want to measure things and it tends to work a lot better when you do that. You need to document how the systems flow and document every step, learn how you can be better and better at each step in whatever systems that you have in the operating systems. Stay paranoid. The grandmaster never lets his guard down. Did you know 89% of the original Fortune 500 companies have either gone bankrupt or fallen off the list. Some have been acquired, of course, by other bigger companies. But think about that again. 89% of the Fortune 500 companies, the original, have either gone bankrupt or fallen off. Again, stay paranoid. The grandmaster never lets his guard down. Stay centered despite uncertainty. Love Murphy's Law. What are the worst events that can happen from a result of this action? Patrick gave a really good example. He meets with his team and he talks about what they should anticipate and what how they can prevent things that can potentially happen wrong. Again, staying paranoid. The grandmaster never lets his guard down. Two, admit defeat by accepting small losses. I love this quote that Patrick brought up. Show me a losing gambler in a casino who vows to get even, and I'll show you someone who is a few moves ahead from losing it all. Again, admit defeat by accepting small losses. I think that was such a good quote. I'm going to bring that back to you real quick. Show me a losing gambler in a casino who is vowing to get even, and I'll show you someone who is a few moves away from losing it all. Again, that's admitting defeat by certain small, accepting small losses. Three, identify your, your next three steps or more and make a plan and execute upon that. That was so, wow, that was so big to that chapter. Now let's talk about the final move, which is master power place. Now I know what you might be thinking, Hunter. Wow, this is a long episode, It's it's, but I'm hoping you're gaining and you're intrigued, right? Because there's a lot of good information. You don't get good information from listening for something for 10 minutes. Unfortunately, you have to, it takes a long time of compounding effects that meet to a huge return on your investment in the future. And that's what I'm trying to achieve with this and you and me, and we're growing together with this growth mindset. So let's jump into move number five, master power plays. This is going to be talking about the fighting of the Goliaths. The first part of this talked about fighting with these Goliaths, these big players in business. It is not for everyone. Beating big companies is doable, but it requires a lot of tolerance for pain. Things you need to know before facing a Goliath in business. One, you'll be afraid. Two, you'll have panic attacks and anxieties. Three, you'll get bullied and laughed at. Number four, you have to be delusional. Number five, you'll have to work 10 times harder than you think. Number six, you'll have to stay healthy to have the energy to compete, which is like that working out that morning routine. We talk about that in the 5am club, all these different other podcasts. Again, all this stuff repeats. And what blows my mind, especially in doing these podcast episodes, I'm not saying it's not for everyone. I know it's not. I have my niche of people who listen to this stuff. It's that growth mindset. People want to get better. But what blows my mind away is that there's so much information that repeats and people are always like, how do I do better? How do I do this? It's, it's right in front of you. Like open a book or listen to a podcast. It doesn't have to be mine. There's so many good ones out there and understand business. You have to understand numbers. You have to understand these things in order to get better. And, and that's what I'm seeing right now. Like I am, I am growing so much within business. I know so much and it's because I'm embracing myself. I'm filling myself in marinating myself, so to say, in this knowledge to understand these things, but not getting too much knowledge. I want to have execution as well. So think about this when, before you're facing the Goliath, when you're getting bullied and laughed at, I think that was a huge one. Um, think about Blockbuster, how they laughed out Netflix. If you haven't seen that, go look at that 
documentary. It's actually very interesting, the blockbuster documentary. I think it's on Netflix probably on Hulu and other places as well. They laughed Netflix out when they were like discs or like they were being mailed. I forget the exact thing they were doing, but Blockbuster laughed them out. Like they wanted to be bought out or something or they want to be get invested in by Blockbuster and Blockbuster just laughed them out of the room. Now look at where Blockbuster's at now. It's sad. Yes, of course it is. It's funny how the, that executive board like laughed them out and Netflix came back. It is now the king of the hill. So really think about that. You'll be bullied and laughed at. And again, it happens so much and it's so easy for for us to see now, but it's it's a different thing when you go through it. And that's like having a conversation when things get heated, it's hard to step back and realize what you can and can't control. You might want to turn your ears up to this part of move five master power plays. A dozen ways to beat Goliath. Again, that bigger player or whoever it is, this can be replaced by a lot of things. Again, fill that void of whatever you need it to be. Number one, know your weaknesses. Number two, know Goliath's weaknesses. Number three, master three things you can do better, especially giving you that competitive edge. Learn to really make those things really good. Number four, don't try to be Goliath because they usually get taken down. Number five, focus on specializing. Number six, when you're small, make yourself appear bigger. Number seven, keep a low profile initially. Number eight, move quickly. Number nine, partner with competitors that share an enemy. Number 10, study history. Number 11, let other competitors wear your opponents down. Number 12, don't disclose every aspect of your strategy. Wow, that's huge. What I really liked that I'm doing, have been doing, partner with competitors that share an enemy. Not really competitors, but you can, Blue Ocean talks about that as well. I'll eventually have that podcast episode, Blue Ocean. It's an amazing business book to create blue oceans and not be in red oceans, which is just competition heavy areas. I think that's a huge one. Number nine, partner with competitors to share that share an enemy to make it really good and have that circle huge. Control the narrative. That was a huge thing we talked about in the very beginning when I was summarizing move five for the first like three minutes in master power plays which is controlling that narrative. It's very important to realize like social media really helps with branding. Although I, I'm not a fan of being on it, I really am not. I know my strengths and weaknesses. Marketing and designing is not one of my strengths. It's definitely a weakness and I'm not that good at it. Maybe that's why my podcast isn't like blown up exponentially. I'm just, I know my strengths and weaknesses and I'm not gonna try to focus on my weaknesses to, I can focus on my strengths. What I'm really good about doing is summarizing books and like getting guests on and communicating and talking to people I think is a really good strength. So let's talk about how to brand yourself have a personality. Again, what I talked about, everyone's taken, Robert Greene talks about it a lot, being weird. He wrote the 48 Laws of Power and people are like, it's satanic. It's like all these different um, things, but it was weird. It was him and he's very, he's always remembered for that. He'll always be remembered for that, being weird and being himself and writing the books the way he wants to. And it's it's very interesting. And even this book talked about it. Patrick talked about it in this book, The 48 Laws of, of Power. It's it's power, but it's how can you counter that power? That's a really big part of what I think people missed in that book is like, oh, wow, this is not good. You know, spying on competitor, whatever. How to counter it is, is knowing what can happen and how can you counter against it, I think is super huge. Have a personality. And we talked about that. Being weird, being yourself, but not being someone you're not, right? Be bold, be engaging, and trumpet yourself when you're right. I've done that before on the podcast. I've been like, look, guys, I told you this, like 20 episodes episodes in a row, stuff repeats, you should probably do this. <laughs> I do that a lot, right? Because it repeats and it repeats and it repeats and it gets an engaging audience that builds credibility. It's like, wow, this person knows what they're talking about in one way or shape or form. Maybe he's not right. He or she isn't right all the time. And then poke fun at yourself when you're wrong. Again, I poke self up my, like I was just doing that. It's funny. I do this stuff. Uh, I said on my like Instagram. And again, if you don't follow my Instagram, go check it out. A lot of motivation, a lot of updates. It's really just going to be helping yourself and you can follow all the people I follow. So it can really fulfill, like really make your feed and shift your feed into being more positive, not 
empty information that you don't need. Poking fun at yourself when you're wrong, I think is really huge. And I do it myself because it, it really shows that I'm not always right. I was like, I look, I just this, like I didn't pronounce words. I stutter a bit. Like I'm not perfect, right? Turn the noise off and cut the fat. Number 92 episode, the four hour work week talks about the 80, 20 rule, which accounts for 80% of your outputs account for 20% of your inputs. Maybe it's not a perfect equation. Of course, you know, different situations get filled in, right? And it's like 80% of your results come from 20% of your time and efforts. There is a huge difference between when someone gives you constructive criticism and when someone just is downright negative. You got to cut those negative people out of your life because they're going to, those are the people that are holding you down that are really making you plateau. And like I talked about in the last podcast episode, I, I did it for personal experience. When I cut those people that were negative to me, when I didn't listen to those people and cut them off, I grew like crazy, right? And I'm not perfect. I'm not the, you know, not everyone knows me. I'm not Elon Musk or anything, but I'm growing. And I hope to do that with you to have that growth mindset. Your future truth versus positive affirmations. What runs through your head really matters a lot. So really capitalize and think about what's always on your mind and, and, and learn about that. When you imagine your future truth, you already have what you want, and now it's becoming the person you need for that to become a reality. Again, what we talked about with the future truth is, is think about what you want to be in the future or whatever you want to do, and how can you act today as you would act in the future? And that's going to get you there a lot quicker. That was a huge takeaway. Really good. Focus on incremental growth. Going to the gym, you add 2.5 pounds on, and it just gets, it's a compounding effect. And I say, wow, it repeats. You should really listen to that with that compounding effect. 1% better each day is a lot in five years. We talked about that in Atomic habits. We talked about that, I believe in extreme ownership. There's so many other books that have talked about the compounding effect and realizing just becoming a little bit better, just waking up a little bit earlier, just reading a little bit more. It compounds. It makes a bigger difference. It's going to be huge in your life. And it's, it's really important to know that study mobsters, how to sell, negotiate, and influence. Now, I'm not gonna talk about this too much. We talked about it in the beginning and I was like, I'll summarize it and it'll make a little bit more sense. So I'm gonna do that. So make an offer they can't refuse. This goes to another episode that I talked about, episode $100 million offers by Alex Ramosi, which is episode 87. Make an offer so good they feel dumb saying no. That's what mobsters do. They really make an offer that you really can't feel, whether it be holding the gun to you or whatever. He really talks about mobsters though, to the fact of like, listen, he's not trying to like be like the crime's good, all that all that's terrible. What he's saying is studying what these people do like in business and how to capitalize on what they did really well. That was like, you know, ethical and stuff, not just the terrible things that they did. It was, mobsters, I'm not saying are best people or they aren't good, that they're good, I mean. But what we're saying is, is take a step back and study them from a perspective of business is, is a really good opportunity for you to grow. You create opportunities to shadow others. My last final bit on the move five, which is master power plays, is you need to create opportunities to shadow others. Anyone you want to be, learn from them. I had a great opportunity. I do that with my boss a lot currently, just in the terms of business. Even if, it, if you're looking at a small business, whatever it may be, a startup, make sure that the person's also like credible, obviously. If they're like your same age and they're just starting a business, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna teach you a whole lot. But you know, the older people that have gone through things, that have been in business for a while, they're really good to shadow in the terms of like being the CEO shadow or being someone higher up shadow is gonna exponentially grow and make shortcuts for you and 
alleviate headaches that may happen in the future when you create your own business, I think is huge. Learn to shadow others. Do stuff for free if you have to. I've seen that before. Thinking of different ways and how to execute them in which you're going to be different in the way you're going to be successful and have that growth mindset. So you got to think of different ways. Okay, let's talk about the final wrapping up of this, which is the last chapter, which is checkmate, bringing it all back together. You have to remember, as I said this a bunch of times, and I said it last episode, actually, tough situations make tough people. Another thing was the number one factor in reaching your potential is simple. What you do must matter to you. Again, passionate. Again, it repeats everywhere. Thinking of rich, all this different stuff. What you do must matter to you, your why, your, your impact in what drives you, what we were talking about earlier. What drives you? It has to matter to you because if it doesn't matter to you, you're not going to be able to do much with it. And plus, you're just going to be miserable and hate what you do. So you have to be passionate and it has to matter to you. Another thing was seek to beat your prior best in all areas. That's how you get better. A lot of people look from other, envy other people. You really shouldn't do that at all. You should look at yourself and how can you improve because you compete against yourself. And now other people's, when you get in competitive field, others may push you, right? You, you like that, but you don't look at it in the sense of like Elon Musk. You're like, I'm not there yet. You know, that's not fair. Whatever it is. I don't know. But think about it in the perspective. Just beat yourself a little bit from yesterday. Just beat yourself. Again, that compounding effect. Look at yourself and try to beat yourself in all different areas throughout your life. Try to beat yourself. Just one up, one up yourself just a little bit more. That's how you grow, have a growth mindset and you keep on getting better and better and better. Another thing was find ways to invest in yourself and never stop learning. That was, I think, I can't remember if that was in the book where I added that, but Patrick, hands down, I think I think it was in the book, but I also, hi, this is a huge golden nugget. Find ways to invest in yourself so you can increase your income because a lot of people like, you can throw it in a Roth IRA and stuff like that. Like we talked about in four hour work week, Really, that's just a fail safe. So you should invest in yourself, especially when you're young in your 20s and early 30s in order to, and again, everyone says this in Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. All these great authors talk about, and Alex Ramosi capitalizes on that so much. You should definitely follow him on Instagram. He has a lot of good content. And also, I, I talk about all these on previous episodes on my podcast, their books and breaking it down. Really, invest in yourself never stop learning. It's so big. Every struggle is an opportunity to grow and improve. Again, have that perspective. When things are bad, realize, take a step back. What can I control? What can I control? And also really dig into the fact of this and having that perspective in gratitude, although whatever happened, if it was a failure or whatever it is, the problems or you know the wins you have, take those opportunities to grow and improve constantly. Don't forget to look at the big picture. Again, what we brought, bringing us back to what we originally talked about, and this is going to be wrapping up this podcast episode, to not forget about the big picture because we dig so much through the weeds. And it's good, again, to analyze, but don't get a uh, paralysis by analysis, especially in data. But look at the big picture and don't get lost in the weeds. We're going to be taking about a month break and then finishing strong with 100 episodes and then most likely be about once a month or once every three weeks. I'll make a schedule so I make sure that you guys know what's going on. So I'm going to recommend you to a couple episodes before we head out. Focus on growth mindset. So I want you to grow as much as possible and get this information that I got. And I'm giving you a summary. So it's going to be way faster to learn that way. And the key takeaways, but I highly recommend reading it. Episode 45 was a really good one. Motivation Monday. You deserve this shit by featuring Jordan Tarver. He's he's actually blown up since the last time that I had him on the podcast episode. Again, that's 45. He, he's the author of You Deserve This Shit. Now it has like over a thousand views. When I first did it, I think he hadn't, he hadn't even released the book now. And it's crazy to think that he has like a thousand five-star reviews now. That's crazy. Jordan Tarver has definitely been blowing up recently and he has a bunch of TikTok followers now. And then 46, book summary of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, really good episode. And then Julia Christ. Those, th those are really good episodes. I really like those. Number 12 and number 44, In the Life of an Influencer, which is 
featuring Julia, which is labeled as Chris on my podcast, but it's actually Bartram now. She got married. Amazing wedding. Wedding. If you're listening to this, <laughs> Julia, I love going to that. Thanks for the invite. And Keegan as well. Love you guys to death. And that's going to be wrapping up this podcast episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys gained some knowledge. Again, zoom out and have wide perspective and execute on these things. I really dug deep into this book and gave you the best. It would really mean a lot to me if you share with friends and family. It, it seriously, I'm trying to grow this podcast. I'm trying to reach 10,000 streams by the end of episode 100. I'll see you guys in a month and I'll still be dropping stuff on my Instagram. So definitely follow my Instagram link in the bio, as well as all the episodes that I mentioned throughout this podcast, which was a lot. So you should have enough to fulfill the next month. Have a great day. Remember, be thankful for today. Tomorrow is never promised. I'll see you next episode. This has been the Redefine Relentless Podcast. Catch you guys later. And that's the last you saw of them. You got it?